and that was a lot of pressure on me. To, that was my first big performance in front of all you guys. I did, I, did, I did great. Yeah, I appreciate that. Lying in the house of God, but it's all good. Um, so, but understanding that, that just because you have words to speak doesn't mean they always should be said. And I may have told you this story before. I probably have. I remember when I used to sell cars, um, there was a particular time when I was starting to do a lot of gossiping on my end. And the Holy Spirit began to deal with me about the words that were coming out of my mouth. And when he began to do that, it began to be convicting because I knew what I was doing wrong, but I continued to do it over and over again. And going on about that, I just, I remember, I don't know about you guys, but I just remember just, it was like I wanted to stop, but I couldn't. Because I kept doing it over and over again. Now, can you guys relate to anything like that? That Maybe you said some words that you shouldn't have said, that you maybe should have kept to yourself, or whatever it may be. Um, but for me, that was something that was important. And James chapter 3, verses 1 through 13, like I said, um, it'll be on the screen as well. Kind of, you know, it to me as I'm talking, like even when you preach, like tonight, it's it's speaking to me. It's talking to me. I, I'm, I'm talking to myself because... This is something that I'm still striving to get better at and in every way. So if you guys are in James chapter 3, verses 1 through 13, say you're there. You're there, perfect. And then it's always funny because I always say that, and then sometimes like they'll say repeat after me, but they never tell you when to stop repeating after them. So you can just keep going. Um, but James chapter 3, verses 1 through 13 tells us this. Not many of you should become teachers. My brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with a greater strictness. Now, I don't know about you guys, but this is a scripture that has spoke to me over my life. And simply, for me, it's the reason it stood out to me is for a long time, I've always known that God has called me to teach his word since I became a Christian early on. And not only that, he's t- he, he called me to teach it, but when, when I see a scripture like this that says not many of you should become teachers, it kind of makes you stop and makes you think about what are you going to do? And, and for me personally, like, er, like I said early on in my Christian walk, like I knew this was something that I felt desire to do. Like, I, have you guys ever done had something that like you just desired to do it? Like you just enjoyed it? Like for me, there's times where I'm driving in the car and I'm just practicing preaching. I'm practicing teaching. And I'm like, what am I doing? Like, why am I doing this? Like, Blake, just shut up and drive. And then part of that too, part of that is simply too, because I don't listen to the radio, so sometimes I got to hear some sort of noise. Um, but if for me, it's something that I think is important to understand for my life the importance in the of the role of a teacher. And going on from that, going to back to the scripture in James 3, 1, it says, put in perspective the magnitude of someone who wants to be a teacher of God's word and how it shouldn't be taken lightly. So I'm going to break this down, and I kind of jumped ahead a second there, but teachers will be judged with a greater strictness. You know, as a teacher, you have the ability to either lead people to Christ or you have the ability to lead people away from Christ. And what I want is I want to always push people towards Jesus instead of oppositely. And not only that, as a teacher, when you're, when you're understanding God's word, when you're a more mature believer, not, not a teacher being a more mature believer, but I'm talking about in general Christians, like a more mature Christian, more is expected of you. Like those of you that have been in this place, you've been Christians for a lot longer, like there's more expected of a two-year-old than there is a 
30 year, or more less expected of a two-year-old than there is of a 30-year-old. So what it goes on, it says, teachers, you will be judged with a greater strictness. Verse 2 says this, for we all stumble in many ways. New fl- newsflash, we're all going to stumble. Nobody's perfect. Nobody messes up. Uh, no, nobody doesn't mess up. Yeah, nobody messes up. And as I was reading a commentary, one of the things that I liked is says this, the an- ancient Greek word translated stumble does not imply a fatal fall, but something that trips us up and hinders us in our progress with the Lord. And I think sometimes we as individuals, we get it mixed up, the difference between a stumble and a fatal fall. Have you ever been there? Like, you know, God, this, is, this must be the last stroke. God's not going to forgive me on this one. I've messed up too many times. I, I, I'm just not going to come back from this one. But there's a difference between a stumble and a fatal fall. And we all stumble in many ways. And sometimes that can be good. When we understand this, other times we can be like, oh, good, everybody else stumbles, so I'm good, and I just stay in the same place. So it's kind of a catch-22, because I, I, always like, I always think it's interesting when we go around a room and share, hey, this is what I'm struggling with, and it's great to share what you're going through, but if you use it to the point where, well, they're doing that, well, they're doing that, I'm doing the same thing, so I'm just going to stay in the same place, that's not the, the excuse we want. But understanding that, hey, we're going to mess up. Touch your neighbor and say, you're going to mess up. You're going to mess up. And verse, actually in verse 2 it says, And if any one of you does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to also bridle his whole body. How many of you guys know any perfect mans in the house? Anybody know any perfect man? Dennis, you a perfect man? He doesn't think so. So we don't have any per- perfect man in the house. And have you ever wondered a spiritually, pers- a spiritually mature person is and listens to how they speak? Like, have you ever listened to somebody who's spiritually mature in their walk with Christ, and and they know their Lord? The words that come out of their mouth bring life. And I don't know about you, there's a book in the Bible called Proverbs. You ever heard of Proverbs? Paul's heard of it. He's probably taught out of it a few times. But Proverbs is a great book to help us really just understand what comes out of our mouth and the words that we speak. Proverbs 18:21 says this, death death and life in the power of the tongue are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. So your the words that you speak, man braces are getting me tonight. I had them adjusted the other day. I got my little list thing going today. But the words that we speak are so important. They can bring life or they can bring death. And we as individuals want to bring words that bring life. And Proverbs 13.3 says this, Whoever guards his mouth preserves his his life. He who opens wide his lips comes to ruin. You know, this is something that that I I, I think of in my own life. As you think of the scripture, be quick to listen and slow to speak. And I always try to be somebody who's quick to listen and not somebody who's just quickly opening my lips and saying the first thing that comes to my mind because that's how you get in trouble, right? Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? That's how you get in a lot of trouble. I'm not married, but I know if I was married, if I just said whatever I want, I'd probably be in trouble a lot. Yeah, yeah. She, Eli gets in trouble a lot, sounds like. So his mom's disciplining him over here in the corner. Uh, but Proverbs seventeen twenty eight says this, Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. Have you ever thought about that? Like somebody that doesn't talk at all, like you don't know whether they're smart or whether they're not. They're just sitting there talking. They're not doing anything. You just assume. 
And, and that's another thing that I try to look uh, do in my life as well is, like I said, I understand that not everything comes out of my mouth is that great. I mean, you know what I'm talking about? Like, like at least you know it. Like, ev- there's people a lot smarter than me. But people may think, oh, Blake's so wise. No, Blake's just not talking. Like, there's a difference. And, and that's, that's another scripture in Proverbs. Proverbs 11:13 says, Whoever goes about slandering reveals secrets, but he who is trustworthy in spirit keeps a thing covered. Proverbs 15:1 says, A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. You ever know anybody that's really confrontational? And if you respond in a way that's rash, and the way that they're responding to you, it just escalates the situation. But you can do one of two things. You can ignore it, or you can give them a soft answer. And a lot of times what happens, it de-escalates the situation. So the words that we speak are so key and so important. And verse 3 says this, If we put bits into the mouths of horses, and I got a picture on the screen of a, a bit for a horse, it says, if we put bits in the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies. Hey, Trey, you got it on the screen? Notice that right there. I learned that this thing is a bit. Now, how, how much does a horse weigh? Is he, what do you guys, what do we got guess? 600, 700, 800 pounds? 12, okay, not even close, 1,200 pounds. Um, so so they're, they're big animals. So this little bitty piece of metal can take, do you say that's a small horse? Okay, yeah, so this little bitty one pound item can steer a 1,200 to 1,500 pound horse, we think, that's how much they weigh. A little bitty item can make an animal that's so powerful go wherever we want it to go. Going on from there, says verse 4 says, look at the ships. Also those, they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So can you go to the next picture, Trey? This right here, so this is a diagram of a boat, but this is a, a rudder. This little bitty item here dictates where this entire massive ship goes. A rudder. And, it's compar- and so the, the writer of James is comparing our tongue to these small things that dictate the entire direction of where the horse goes, the entire direction of where the ship goes. And it says in this, and I think I, I already finished it, but I'm going to go back and read this in. They are guided by a very small rudder wherever they will, the pilot directs them. Notice this, the pilot's directing them. Somebody's directing the, the direction, or, and guess what? Our tongue, we're the pilot. And so as we look how small these particular items are, and yet how these little items control, control the trajectory where the horse and the ship go, our tongue is the same way. It determines our direction. And as I was writing this sermon, it was speaking to me as well on how I should do a better job of controlling my own tongue. And I can think of instances in my own life when I need to do this. But as I was writing this um, sermon, this I even got a highlight, so this part's important. And, and I thought it was, I'm going to say this, and I'm going to let this sink in. I believe some of us have been wondering for a while now and asking God, why am I still in the same situation that I so desperately want to get out of, and possibly you're in that same situation still because that is where your tongue is leading you. You haven't yet learned to control your tongue, so therefore you have not been able to control your direction. 
Think about that. Let that sink in. If the tongue determines our direction, what direction are you steering? What direction are you taking yourself? What direction am I taking myself? You know, are you constantly at odds with your wife or husband because you can't control your tongue? Maybe you're at odds with your kids because you can't control your tongue. Maybe you're at odds with your boss or coworkers because you can't control your tongue, or he or she can't control her tongue, but, you know, <laughs> we're not going to get into that one. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe you're at odds with other Christians because you can't control your tongue. The direction you're steering is not the direction that we want to go. And we actually learned about this uh, a few weeks back, actually a month or so back. We learned that in Titus 2.12 that God's grace, it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled and upright godly lives in this present age. So God has given us everything that we need in order to be successful Christians in this life. And so, with the, you know, the excuses, and I think I'm, I don't want to jump ahead here, but, you know, the excuse, well, that's just the way I am. I, do, I, do I got something in my face? Like, uh, she's like tapping her cheek like I should know that there's like, I got food coming out of my mouth or, oh, okay, yeah, I got you, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, I don't know what this means, okay, yeah. Yeah, she's just making up sign language, so, but anyways, so, but, you know, that's just the way I am. You know, I, I, I can't help myself. Like, that's, I, I just say what I'm thinking. Well, just because there's, I mean, you know what I'm talking about? Like, that's just, I can't help it. Well, there's lots of things that I think, too. But sometimes it's best just to keep them to yourself. Yeah. I, I don't know if I need to pop a pimple or something on my chin. I don't know. But anyways, going on from that. So verse 5 says this. So also the tongue, the tongue a small member... Yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. How many of you guys enjoy a good fire? Like, I love fires. Like, I love everything about fires. I love creating fires. This is like the, the battle with my dad. Don't make the fire too big, and I just ignore him, and I make it as big as I want. You know what I mean? I mean, I, and, and the thing about a fire is it starts with a small spark. It starts with something very small very insignificant, and it begins to grow, and it begins to, uh, to grow in flame and get bigger and bigger and bigger. And it says, a great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. Verse 6 says, and the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staying the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set by fire by hell. For verse 7, for every kind of beast, bird, and reptile, and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. And I think of the Apostle Paul. I think of him where he says, why do I do the things that I don't want to do, and I do, don't do the things that I want to do. Yes, I, as I was getting there, I was like, I'm about ready to mix, mess this up. But, but sometimes there's things that we want to do, but we just can't do them. And so we see in this scripture where it says, taming the tongue, it's a restless evil. Verse 9 says this, With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth comes blessing and curses. My brothers, these things not ought to be so. And as I was sitting in worship, I began to hear the words, not ought to be so. 
So let me go back. I want to reread this so we just understand. Verse 9, with it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people. I can say I can be guilty of that. God, we love you. Man, I can't stand her. You know what I'm talking about? In the light, and, we're, and we were made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and curses. My brother, these things ought not to be so. And it says this, and this is what I was getting. To, I want to get to tonight. Does a spring pour forth from the same op- opening, both fresh and salt water? And as I was praying about my next sermon, what it should be, a river came to my mind. And I began to think of this scripture in verse 11, where it says both fresh and salt water. The reason I played the guitar up here the way I did was not because I'm that bad. But the reason I played it the way I did is because that's not how it ought to be played. You shouldn't be playing chords and then messing up on chords and then going back. Like, you, you can't have both. Like, that's not something that people want to listen to. To. That's not something that should be produced. And so what I do, I have on here is I have a picture. On, 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 it's, a, it's the final picture on here, Trey. And I have to, you guys can see that. So you can see the difference. And I'm taking my sheet of paper with me so I can remember what this, this place is called. So this right here is fresh water. This right here is salt water. And so this is actually called, if I can find it, the Fraser River Delta just in front of Vancouver, B.C., Canada. I don't know why it says B.C. I feel like it's before British Columbia. I was thinking like before Christ, before Christ, Canada. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> this was before Canada got the gospel right here, B.C., Canada. And, and this is where <laughs> the seawater <laughs> meets fresh water. And I was sitting there, yeah, I, literally, that, I was like, I have no clue what B.C., Obviously, you can see it. I'm, I'm just, here's the thing. I pray so much. My, my heart just goes straight to the Lord. And I, anything worldly, I don't even recognize. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, they, we're there on America. So, but anyways, so, but this is, you notice this. And you notice also, too, and I'm going to read this off because I'm not a scientist. Like, in our own minds, you see fresh water, you see salt water, you see a barrier. And you're thinking, well, salt water is over here, fresh water is over here. But in reality, that's actually not true. And I'm going to give you some science here in B.C., Canada. And it says this, it may appear that these two waters are not mixing, but in actuality they are. The murky water is suspended. Sediments such as silts and clays are carried by fresh water. However, salt ions and the barriers bind together in turn, which causes the sediment to become heavier and to sink in the bottom of the ocean and become clear. So in reality, these two waters are actually mixing. There's salt and there's fresh water in there. Eli, you can come up wherever you are. You're right there. Um, But uh, it's mixing right now. It may not seem like it. But as I was listening to a, a show, maybe on Discovery Channel the other day, they said something interesting that as I was kind of r- finishing up this message, they said very few fish can live in both salt and fresh water. They can only live, and most fish can only either live in salt water or fresh water. And I think about the scripture where it says, this not ought to be so. With this we bless our Lord, and with this we curse our brothers. 
the words that come out of our mouth are so key, that are so important for us as individuals to watch what we say. And it kind of in closing, verse 12 says, Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or grapevine producing figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. My question for you is, what words are you speaking? Like, if, if, I, print, if I plant corn, I'm not going to get beans. If I plant beans, I'm not going to get corn. So what are the words that are coming out of your mouth? Are you speaking words of life? Are you speaking words of gossip, negativity, slander, perverse talk? I'm guilty. I still struggle with that from time to time. You may be saying to yourself, Blake, you don't know my, you don't know how opinionated I am. Great. Join the club. You want to hear lots of opinions? I have lots of them. And all you have to do is ask. But a true wisdom, I believe, is knowing when to speak and when not to. Now, I realize that no one is perfect in this place. And, and I think that James makes that very clear that says no man has ever been able to tame the tongue. Like, James understands that. But why can't we strive for that? Why can't we strive to be a people that are so distinguished by the words that come out of our mouth? To not be like our other co-workers at work. That in order to get ahead, they lie. In order when you turn your back, they gossip and they talk bad about you. Or maybe it's this, or maybe when you're sitting in front of your boss and he's just railing on you. And sometimes you just want to slap him upside the head. In Jesus' name. BC Canada but maybe it's you sitting there and it's you saying and just taking it because even a foolish man who keeps silent is perceived as wise the words that we speak are so key and so important and like I said you know as I was right in the middle of it I even got little nice little highlights where it, where it talks about maybe the direction we're headed is the direction you're steering and maybe God's saying, I want to take you to a new place, but I can't because you're going against me. You're going in the direction that I don't have for you. And as I, as I was closing with this, or this will be the scripture I close with in Luke 6.45. Luke 6.45 tells us this. You got it memorized? I'm just kidding. Luke 6.45 says this. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. And the evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil. For it is out of the abundance of the heart that the mouth speaks. So you, you're, you're mouthing it. You knew the end part. And I, and I was thinking about this scripture. You know, we, we talk about a lot of times, well, that's just the way I am. Well, the Bible says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What are you speaking? Are you speaking life? Are you speaking words of encouragement? Are you talking about people when they're not around? The words that we speak are so key. And the words that come out of our mouth. Like I said in the very beginning, where it says in James 3.1, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with a greater strictness. The words that we speak can either push people to Christ or away from Christ. And that's what we desire. Church, let's pray.
God, I just pray that you would just begin to touch each and every individual in this place. Lord, I just ask you to just pour your spirit on us, that you would just begin to reveal the areas in our life that we need to work on when it comes to our tongue, when it comes to the words that come out of our mouth. Lord, I know this isn't the most dynamic sermon um, ever prepared or or spoken, God, but this is a, a word that your people need to hear, that it's a word that we need to understand, Father, that we are a representation of you. We represent Jesus when we go out. And God, I just ask that in my own life that I could learn that you could just teach me how to control my tongue in a way to not say what the first thing that comes to my mind, but to say the thing that you desire to be said, that we can be a people set apart for you, that we can be a people after your mind. God, that when we begin to talk, Lord, and we go into situations that we know is going to be confrontational, God, that we can say, God, I just ask you to just take over what I have to say. Lord, I just ask you to just begin to speak through us and speak to us, Lord. God, we just love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name.